wait like three more minutes. I was gonna announce it, but now I feel like I'm just gonna introduce it. Let's get this show on the road. People will come in. <laughs> uh, but real quick though, this is uh, an important event and I appreciate everybody that came through, the staff, the artists, the panelists, the performers. If you look around, this is what the Bay Area is all about, bringing together different creative elements, bringing together a diverse group of people from all different kinds of backgrounds and doing something positive, so make some noise for that. That's what's up. So I don't want to take up too much time. Uh, right now we have something really special that's about to go down. We're having the Women in Hip Hop panel. Yeah, make some noise for the ladies. Make some noise for the ladies. This was really important for me because obviously women are overlooked in hip hop culture and just in culture period. And I want to show some love to some of the sisters that inspire me and hopefully inspire some other people out there. And um, I'm really juiced for the people who are gonna be here. I'm gonna start this off by introducing our moderator. She is a journalist and a DJ for KQED Arts and Culture. She's been very supportive of myself and other artists in the Bay Area. And her name is Nastia. Make some noise for Nastia. Thanks so much, Dregs. Hi, everyone. I'm Nastia Wojnowska. I'm one of the arts and culture editors at KQED. And since the beginning of this year, I've also had the privilege of being part of a project called That's My Word, where in honor of hip hop's 50th anniversary, we're spending this whole year telling the story of why the Bay is one of the most influential and original and independent regions for hip hop in the country. So give it up for yourselves if you're from the Bay. <laughs> now, shout out to my collaborators on That's My Word, Gabe Moline, Pendarvis Harshaw, and Eric Arnold. Um, a big part of what we're doing is telling the stories of the women that have been part of Bay Area hip hop from the very beginning. So that's not just rappers, that's also DJs, journalists, photographers, graffiti artists. And we're gonna hear from three of those influential women today. So I wanna bring out the first panelist. Um, let's give it up for Dime. <laughs> so Dime is a fourth generation artist from East Oakland, California. <laughs> she has a deep history in graffiti, murals, and community activism. And she is part of the collective Few and Far, and she's also the visual arts director of Eastside Arts Alliance. So welcome, Dime. Thanks for being here. <laughs> so I want to introduce our second panelist. Dire has probably taken photos of your favorite rapper, including Mac Dre and the Jacka. She started her career as a photo editor of Showcase Magazine and then she went on to become Thiz Nation's official photographer, where she documented Hyphy as it blew up onto the national stage. She also was the West Coast editor at Ozone Magazine. <laughs> and most recently, she was the executive producer of the documentary We Were Hyphy, which you can stream on KQED. So welcome, Deere. <laughs> Thank you. 
And last but not least, our third panelist has made some of the hardest West Coast anthems of the 90s. <laughs> Miss Carla CMG Green is one half of the Conscious Daughters, along with the late, great Carol Special One Smith. And the Conscious Daughters made hits like Something to Ride To, Funky Expedition, and We Roll Deep. And Carla's a certified legend. She's been on tracks with Nas, and she's performed with Jay-Z, and probably has more accomplishments than most people in the Bay Area scene. So I'm so happy for you to be here, Carla. Thank you, thank you. Um, do you have a mic? <laughs> like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> uh, Okay, now we're gonna get to know our panelists a little bit. So my first question is for you, Carla. So I think for decades in, in the media, there's been sort of this perception that there can only be one queen of rap and women have sort of been put in positions to compete against each other. But even as the Conscious Daughters were coming up in the 90s and they were getting hit singles, they were on the radio, they were touring the country, you were also building a sisterhood of Bay Area rappers that included Sugar Tea and Mystic. Yeah, tell us about those days in the 90s and the camaraderie between female artists that existed in that time. Um, you know, it was just a good time back in the 90s. Remember those days when we used to hit the club and we had those ciphers and at the same time, we were all coming up together, be it, I mean, San Francisco, Oakland, anybody who was coming out, the Loonies, Digital Underground, Conscious Daughters, Forte, San Quinn, Souls of Mischief, E-40 and the Click. And so we would always be at the same venues all the time. So we, all, we were very close friends. We all, everybody, it's like the melting pot of the up and coming rappers of the 90s. We're all really good friends. So every time we would go to a, an event, Sugar T would be with the clique, but she would hang out with us because we was the only two girls, right? So this has been my sister now at this point for over 30-something years. You know, I talk to her all the time. And it, it was just amazing that we were able to both come up in our own spaces. And we're best friends and great, like, sisters, and we don't sound alike, you know what I mean? And then there's Mystic. I met Mystic um, at, at a club also. You know, we all started hanging out together because we were the women who were at these venues, at these clubs, getting on these mics, getting in these ciphers. When, when you get on the mic and rock the party, throw your hands up in the air, you know, we would get on the mic and be right there with the boys. And so we often hung out together, and that just went on, and we kept our sisterhood. And so it's very unique. You know, you go to New York, you don't see that kind of stuff in New York. I mean, I know that the ladies know each other, but I don't think they have a sisterhood. Like, we would literally spend holidays and stuff together. We know each other's families and kids. And so it is a great camaraderie. It's very unusual um, just for women to be friends, period, in, in a group in a friendship. Uh, I feel really sorry for these young girls now just because they just hate on each other so hard. They spend so much time worrying about the next girl than worrying about trying to get together and make a difference, you know? And that, that's where we come from. So we, we stood yeah, together. Yeah. I won't talk too long, but it was just a great time in the 90s with, for the women. And, you know, we had other friends. Like Marvelous is also a great friend of mine as well, and I talk to her often. So same with Silky. You know, and then we would go on to become friends with Yo-Yo and Rage in L.A. So, you know, and not to mention Lunell is like a sister to me. She's a comedian. Her and Miss Laura, who were coming up in the comedy scene. So just women in general and D-Ray, as soon as she got on the scene, you know, we immediately clicked and, you know, talked to each other. So, um, yeah, it was just a great experience. Yeah, sisterhood up and there. down the West Coast. <laughs> 
Um, so you and Special One and Conscious Daughters rapped about things that we didn't really hear much about in rap in the 90s or even now. For example, you, you, taught, you clowned sexist dudes that wanted their girlfriends to be the, their maids. You talked about getting revenge on domestic abusers. You addressed teen pregnancy. Um, that must have been really validating for the women listening to those songs. What kind of feedback did you hear from fans? Um, tons of feedback. We, we had no ideas, Steve. First of all, especially when the girl that's in a group with me, number one, she's a comedian. So anything she wrote off, she would just write some crazy shit. And I'd be like, what the fuck? Then I'm under pressure, and then I feed off of that. And about three forty ounces and some few joints later, this was before blunts, um, we would be just, I don't know where this shit would go. Like, we would go out and be riding by the lake and pull over and talk to some dudes and write a whole song based off of that just about what had happened was. So it was just really real and authentic. We got a lot of feedback about it but one point I do want to make for the albums that we did put out uh, we signed with Paris I don't know if you guys are familiar with Paris but he's a black panther of hip-hop he's a very militant strong-minded black man from San Francisco he's all about you know black power and the upliftment of women and once he signed us to his label he viewed us as an avenue to spread a message to women and african-american women especially and just he, he was not down with genocide he hated 40 ounces and shit and here we come in the studio with 40s and shit and he was like, nah, but he let us be ourselves. And one thing that he did do is he wrote one song on every album that we made that was gonna be a message song. On the first album, Ear to the Street, he wrote the song called um, Shitty Situation, which was about teenage pregnancy. And I was the star of it. Everybody thinks I had a baby, but I really didn't. It was just something that he wrote and that we put together. Second album, he, did, he wrote a song about AIDS. We tapped on the AIDS situation, so that was that message. And our third album, he, he made, wrote a song called oh, Dirty Little Secret about domestic violence. So we would basically, you know, just talk shit about the, the guys and, and just any negative values against women or black women or women in general, not only black women, but it was really kind of targeted toward that audience when we first came out. So that's how that happened. Great feedback on that, by the way. Can, yeah, can we, can we have some quiet in the audience while the panelists are speaking, please? Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but... I would be doing that, but, but if I was out there, I'd probably be one yeah. talking. <laughs> I would appreciate, as a woman up here, as a panelist, that if you guys have your conversation, step out the room, because we are up here telling a story. Excuse me. You keep talking and I keep hearing you over hearing her story. Can you step outside or either be quiet, please? It's disrespectful. We are women in this game. Go women! That's right. One time for the ladies! Hey! Thank you, dear. <laughs> I couldn't hear you. I, was, I'm, I talk I hella loud, so I probably damn near drown his ass out. ADD, so I'm over here trying to hear you and I yeah, let's give these legends their due respect. <laughs> um, the daughters were so ahead of their time, but now I want to talk about another pillar of hip-hop, the graffiti. Um, so, Dime, I want to hear from you. You know, graffiti can be the, this hyper-competitive co scene. It's a pretty male-dominated scene. You started in it when you were just 12 years old. Um, so I want to hear, what were your early experiences like in graffiti, and then what led you to eventually becoming a founding member of the collective Few and Far, which is an all-women's art collective, for those that don't know? Um, 
Well, growing up in the scene, it was it was so fun, y'all. It was we were kids, like literally kids. I grew up in East Oakland, down the street from the train yard. So, on the weekends, during after school <clears throat> or during school, <laughs> we would literally that was our field trip, y'all. You know, there wasn't much to do. There was no art school around. So, like those were our classrooms. The streets were our classrooms. The yards were our classrooms. And like from, from the classroom scribing on the notebook, it literally had to come out of that. So it was really fun. And I was really fortunate to like the foundation of my values as a woman writer really came from painting with my brother and really close friends and family that was just like taught me like respect is number one. Like in this field, like, you hit a wrong turn, and that's going to be the turn you're going to be in regardless of what you say and what you don't say because the, the streets will be, you know, will be speaking on things that are not true. So I, as I wanted to really make a name for myself and I wanted to go bigger and learn my style and do my own shit, I really set values for myself as a woman artist, and I wanted to follow that. It was always painting my own shit. It was always doing my own style. It was always never letting nobody feel in my stuff and really doing my own stunts. From you know learning how to make my own markers to racking, I may or may not have done, <laughs> um, to really like getting chased and, and fucking climbing buildings and shit. Like it was an adrenaline rush and I was right there with the fellas doing what I had to do, right? And um, <laughs> you feel me? Um, but I was, I was low-key like a tomboy too, so that kind of helped me be a little under because as women in this field, like we're faced with so much shit on the street. Like we got, we got, you know, the people living on the tracks to the women working on the tracks to the pimps that, um, that are constantly harassing us for painting to the cops that are harassing us for painting to the standbyers or Johns that are around, you know, asking us what we doing, if we safe, because a lot of times like, I, I felt I had enough balls to go and do all that shit on my own. I didn't need anybody to go with me. Um, and I really wanted to gain my own shit for myself. You know, I didn't want nobody to say, oh, that's so-and-so's girlfriend. I was never going to be so-and-so's anything. So um, that was really a, a way that I wanted to carry myself as an artist, as a tagger. I didn't even know I was an artist, y'all. <laughs> I was just doing what I had to do to, you know, the town is just filled of so many worlds within, within worlds. And you got to find your lane to survive. And that's how I survived, you know, um, finding my own haven in my secret backyard. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah, so tell us a bit more about how Few and Far came together and how have the women in the collective supported each other? Um, well, Few and Far came together. Uh, the founder, Mimi, who I love so much, um, she had this idea and brought a bunch of us to paint together. And from then on, like, we all kind of felt something that kind of sparked at that moment. And it was like this sisterhood. Like, we were asking each other for shit. We were building with each other. We were looking out after each other. And it was something that me as, like, Somebody that started painting as a little ass kid had never ever felt like we literally had each other's back. And it was just hella woman painting in West Oakland. And it literally sparked a whole ass movement of powerful women. 
it sparked a movement of, of, of like not being fucked with, like to be honest, you know, like we feel really powerful when we come together. We feel really, really strong when we come together because everybody comes from different backgrounds of art. We got our fine artists, we got our street artists, we got our, our active um, um, graffiti bombers and um, everybody brings something in. And, and also we, we connect each other on a level that's outside of our cities, outside of our states, it's worldwide. So anywhere we pop off, we got like five, six girls with us. We have a whole plan, we have a whole get down and it's like really powerful to be in that movement. Did that answer? Sorry. Yes, yeah, <laughs> no, bad. that's incredible. <laughs> now, Dire, I wanna hear more from you. You've been a bit more behind the scenes, in fact, You've told me multiple times you don't really do interviews, so this is a really rare treat, actually, that we have DRA on this stage. Um, so you, you really came up with this Nation um, when the hyphy movement was taking off, and you, you were kind of the, the woman in, in that boys' club. So what was that experience like for you, and what were the highlights of that experience, and what were maybe some of the challenges? Um, coming up with this Nation, was very challenging in the beginning. It was multiple personalities. Everybody oh, everybody had multiple personalities. But lucky them, I grew up with all boys. So I was able to take that and just be their sister. And so it was really a family. So the highlights of it, to be honest with you, is just being able to watch them boys grow. Just seeing every state, every city, just love them. Just love them like show them real energy of I love what you guys are doing I love this movement you know go to other states and they're doing sideshows please you don't what are you doing or like even oh I'm not talking my bad guys did people hear I, that I told you I told you I'm shy <laughs> so yeah. I mean the boys were just that's why you guys should have had a mic my face like over there so I don't realize I'm doing this damn no um, so being with the boys was just, it was, it was an honor to watch them grow. I enjoyed watching them grow. Like I said, going to different states, doing different shows, watching the impact that they made on all of their fans because it's what, 24 years later and people are still excited to go do hyphy shit. You know what I mean? Like hyphy just, it was energy and the boys had it. And when Dre had this dream to do that with the boys, and we followed through with the dream of Dre after Dre passed away, it was a beautiful thing because it was the whole bay. It was everybody. It was everybody. I was the only female in the actual machine running it. So did I feel awkward? No. Nobody messed with me. You saw I just got upset for being disrespected, and I wasn't even the one talking. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I just feel like you're supposed to respect us. Like, not just us, but respect yourself enough to know that you should be respecting this woman up here having a discussion. So my brothers never let nothing bad happen to me. If it had to be handled, it was usually Diggs, Big Dont, Kilo. You know what I mean? Like, if, so, if someone was disrespectful to me, I usually said, oh, it's cool, it's nothing. But they knew when I just brushed it off, it was really something. I just knew better than to tell my brothers there was unnecessary going on because I didn't want that on my heart. You get me? So I always try to play it cool. But dealing with other people out there, everybody tries you. 
everybody tries you. Everybody tries you. I'll say this, I won't say who, but I've socked two dudes in the chest for being disrespectful with no thought. Like, oh my God. And Kilo was standing there and Kilo said, why did you do that? I said, because I felt like he was being disrespectful. And I know what comes with hitting a dude. He didn't, hit, he didn't go to hit me back, he just looked at me. I know what goes with hitting a dude. That's like calling a dude a bitch. I know what goes with that. So I always was very conscious of stuff of that nature. So the boys could take me anywhere and I knew what time it was. I knew what time it was. Like when I go to Houston even, you know, I ride with Trey the Truth out there and he always said, damn, you always know. Like when it's time to go, if something's gonna pop off, you, you know, so the boys helped breed me into this whole little thing. Yeah. yeah I love that. Is that is beautiful. Oh, my bad, Nettie. I love Nettie, too. <laughs> As you know my story, though, a lot of people will say they made me. But I'll say, Frank Herrera gave me the opportunity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> R.I.P. Frank. Yeah. That's real solidarity. Um, so after Thiz Nation, um, you came on to Ozone Magazine, which was a magazine founded by Julia Beverly representing Southern hip hop. And you came on as the West Coast editor. I just think that's so cool to have two women representing two regions that have historically been sort of overlooked in, in hip hop. Um, what was it like kind of being in that seat of power and how did you use that opportunity? At first, I wasn't sure if I wanted to take the job. I knew it came with the job being in the Bay, right? What comes with being in the Bay? Aw, oh, D-Ray, you hating. Aw, oh, D-Ray, you're not putting me on. Aw, oh, D-Ray, you cut me out this picture. Aw, oh, D-Ray, you know? So I wasn't sure if I really wanted to take the job. But I had met Julia Beverly at the Bars Awards. No, no, the Bars Summit, right? And she was with Wendy Day. and. We had went to an after party, saw, the, saw a bunch of people, you know, and I had saw Julia sitting in the corner, not really sitting in the corner, like she's like, oh, I'm sitting in the corner, but she was kind of like to herself, not knowing who these people were, because they're Bay Area artists, right? She's from the South. So she started to talk to me, and I told her, hey, come on, let's go. I'm gonna go introduce you to a few people. I can't really remember who it was. I wanna say it was Drew Down but I can't be positive, right? So I took her, I introduced her to people, and then she was like, wow, you know everybody in this room. I was like, lucky me, <laughs> right? And she said, that's, that's crazy, that's like me in the South. I know everybody coming up, I know who's really making a buzz, who's not making a buzz, so it was, we clicked, you know, the South, the West, and then Wendy Day told her when she had this idea, you need to get D-Ray. That's who you would get. D-Ray knows everybody. You should get D-Ray. She could get the shot for you. And she was like, mm, you know, and then Tushar was like, yeah, D-Ray. If I had to pick, I would say D-Ray. So it was just, I went outside and made a name for myself when it was film days. So you figure I had to pay for my job. I wasn't getting really? paid to take 10 rolls of film because I didn't know if that shot was gonna turn out because it's film, right? I've had overexposed film, underexposed film, I've had it all. So I used to come out with a film camera and really have to pay for the job and hope to get paid. And so it made me conditioned a certain way that when I see photographers outside and there's so many of them, 
I think, what is your purpose? Are you actually getting the shot? Are you just trying to get in somewhere for free? Know what I mean? Are you trying to go be a part of an entourage? That's what Thiz let me do. Thiz not only let me shoot them, but if I was out shooting them, if I saw other people like Jay Stylin, right? Or Filthy, I would be able to go shoot them to make sure that they shined as well. Thiz never taught me, stopped me from like, oh, you can't go over there because I'm shooting this person. And today, that's what kids are doing, is just shooting one group of people. Get it? They're not knowing who the legends are in the room. Like, I could go somewhere right now and people wouldn't know who I was unless they knew who I was. You get what I'm saying? Photographers included. And sometimes I feel a little disrespected, but at other times I'm like, I never showed my face. I never got on the mic. I never talked about it. You know what I mean? I was always behind the camera. So that's why today I came out of my comfort zone and said I was going to do this. Yes. <laughs> So the three of you are pioneers in your respective fields, and I want to know what have been your observations of how things have changed in the past 20, 30 years that you've been practicing your craft for women? Do you feel that your, your fields have opened, up, have opened up to be more inclusive? I feel today women are too sexual when they go outside. It's making the job harder for others that are like, Hooligans. Yeah, I'm saying. Like, yeah, like it's not a secret what you look like, but let, like, like us. Like, why wouldn't you know what I mean? Like, you can't go up there and take a picture like this. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't go take a picture and you got a skirt on. You're like this. Hey. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? And now you're making my job harder because I'm looking like a boy going outside. Like, bitch, what is you doing? And I didn't mean to say bitch because I don't. That's you know. what I was going to say. Meanwhile, I can't get out of jeans and t-shirts and shit. Me either. But, you know, first of all, I could never get on stage and rock no mic and no damn heels. I'll be face first on my face. But I do commend them for being in shape, you know. Um, but, <laughs> but can you really put down the mic? And y'all don't really cover the stage. You know, I come from the era where we give a show. Like, literally, when me and Special One would perform... She would be climbing on speakers and shit. I'd be like, what is this bitch doing? And then I got to go behind her and be pointing. Y'all got to do something, you know, to, to keep the crowd engaged. They don't really do that. You just, I'm just so tired of watching asses shake. But I really appreciate that women are out and they're getting paid and they're getting money. And some of them actually have yeah, good songs. I'm, I'm not hating. I'm not hating. Oh, no, no. I know you're not, sis. But, but another thing is I, I'm, I'm happy about that, that they're, they're doing their thing. You know, I'm not bitter. Like a lot of rappers are older like me. They're bitter because they're not, they're not paid like these young kids. They can put out one, make a platinum album, be rich for, for buy hella shit. We didn't have that. We were doing it for the love of the art. But I really think that the women nowadays, I'm just happy to see them all over the place. And I love me some little Kayla, okay? Little oh, Kayla off the hook, okay? <laughs> I just want to say that, you know, just representing Bay. There's plenty of women out, and I'm just really happy about them. That's my girl. What's up? Hey. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Diamond Graffiti? Do you feel like, you know, there are more women out there painting and writing right now? Oh, hell yeah. I feel like we always been out there. You know, we always been in all these scenes. Um, you see us now more uh, because we are taking our place. And we are, we are coming to the front, just like she was sharing that, you know, 
we don't really be in the forefront that much. We don't like that. Some of us don't like the spotlight, and uh, me included. <laughs> um, but I feel like we've always been there. We will always be here. And now our torch is just hella brighter. Um, and we keep passing down to the next generation because everybody's watching, you know, especially all the younger girls that are looking into tagging or graffiti or whatever it is, whatever medium, whatever, um, whatever uh, element of hip hop, there's, they're watching something. So it's on there to be a balance of what we can and what we can't do and then leave room for hood rat shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's cool. And uh, leave room for the next generation to make their mark. Um, so yeah, we always been there. We will always be here. Um, I think what's important now that's happening is the collaboration among women is stronger. Um, and I say that uh, as experience and being with you and far, like collaborating with women on a whole nother spectrum, like it just gives you like a sense of like belonging because you don't feel alone anymore. You're not walking with a, you know, with your crew of boys, like it's cool. But then when you run with your crew of women, it's like hella different. And um, you gotta be there to know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. What kinds of changes do the three of you want to see? I mean, this year we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip hop culture. So as we think towards the next 50 years, what kinds of changes do you all want to see to make hip hop a more inclusive space for women? Well, first of all, recognition is always great. Um, I looked at like the recent BET Awards and I was pleased to see Bay Area artists on that be it female or male or whatever. Um, these kids really have it easy with the outlet of social media. We had to go and really get, get seen and be heard and travel across the country to get shit done. So there's no excuse for a lot of these kids. You can have your own businesses, and I, I really feel like if we can own more, I would love to see more black-owned record labels. I would love to see more of these rappers supporting rappers or singers or whatever artists supporting artists, starting companies and being able to give back to the community a little more. That's what I would like to see going forward in hip hop. Just supporting each other. Quit hating and stop worrying about what the next person is doing and blocking somebody else or not wanting to work with this person. Just give love. It don't have to be 500, do it for 200, 150. I mean, just give it, give it for the love. And that's what I do, by the way. So anytime I try to do as much community work as I can, and I just feel like going forward, I hope that these selfish young people, who are very spoiled, by the way, <laughs> will give more of themselves and open up to more opportunities in helping other people, period. Be it business, art, averse, whatever you can do. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Dere, Dime? I agree with her. I, talk, I talked enough, I talked enough. <laughs> As y'all could see, though, uh, thanks, Sid, for getting my slideshow that was supposed to be going while I was talking. Yeah, I also agree. And pay us like you pay the boys, shit. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Most importantly. We all, we all got to eat, you know what I mean? Um, and that's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes, yes, we're gonna open it up to audience questions now. So I think we're gonna pass around a microphone. Um, these, these ladies are, have a wealth of experience, so please use this opportunity and ask anything you're curious about. 
How y'all doing? Can we just get uh, a round of applause for the amazing women in the panel? So yeah, my name is Skino. I'm a producer on the podcast. Shout out Rocky Vision. Shout out King Said, MVP Productions. We got Shot by D'Angelo. Got my guy Ramon. Shout out D.E.O. Dregs. We're going to open it up. Q&A. If anybody has a question for the panel, I'm going to walk around and, uh, you know, got you. One second. I think we should have Gary ask a question. He's very interested. We could both ask her a question. Uh, this question is for everybody. Yeah, we, let's start with D-Ray. Gary is uh, my best friend, and I'm networked from Go There Magazine, and I'm out here just to show some love for my sister. So, D-Ray, let me ask you a question. What was it like working with your brother? You were with Ozone Magazine, and I had Go There Magazine. What was that like? <laughs> Back to the, the respect and the disrespect, right? <laughs> I love network. So when he did a piece on Jack, I fought myself to give him it because I was funking with him at the time, right? And then Jack came to me and told me I had to give it to him. And then PK told me I was being a jerk. So I ended up to give it to him. But I told him, and I'm going to say this on record because I still do it, I was going to stab him if my pictures went anywhere other than that article. <laughs> with the shank in my hand. I told his whole office, I do not condone violence. I'm just letting you know now. Those were exclusive shots. We love you too, Network. I'm going to say we as in Jack and I, because that was the reason why you got those. <laughs> you get a round of applause for that. We have another question. You might introduce yourself. Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Mad Lines. I just want to say y'all are amazing. Just give a round of applause more time for all these beautiful women on stage. So my question is, we know the Bay Area is so innovative. What's one piece of game that you learned that you want to share with the audience? Like, just a piece of game, like some words of wisdom that you learned, each one of you. Stay true to yourself. Never underestimate anybody. I met Master P in 19, I think, I don't know, it was like 90. He came to my house, and because they were like, Master P want to meet you, Master P want to meet you. So, because he was in Richmond, California at the time. He came to my house and said, he sat down in a chair, he said, yeah, so I got three record labels, uh, I got a clothing line, um, I've got four movies coming out in the next two years, I got a sports uh, management. And me and my, my sister was behind him going, yeah, right, yeah, right. Now, I shit you not, not even one year later, I opened up the Source magazine. He had six pages of everything that he, he said he was going to do that day. And from that day, I walk and live. Do never underestimate anybody and always give people a chance and respect each other. That's, that's, my, that's my piece of game right there. So because she just told that story, I'm going to tell why I take the underdogs photos, right? Gary Archer is my husband of... Come 25 years. Shout out to legend Gary Archer. So G's always been my conscience through this whole game, right? He told me back in 1999, take a picture. And I looked at the person, I was like, mm -mm, I ain't taking that picture. It happened to be Eminem. <laughs> I looked at him, but I was not taking that picture. I did not care. G said, he's about to be a superstar. What the hell's wrong with you? Go take his picture. It's not going to kill you. Take his picture. I looked at him. I said, I'm not 
taking his picture in that faded ass chorus shirt. And he looked like he hadn't took a shower in, I don't know, months. I was like, I'm not taking this picture. And then the next time I seen him, I couldn't even get that close to him. But I have a picture of him in proof. So that was like my, you know, extra that I got later on in life. But yeah, if I would have just went to him that day, Eminem would still be my friend. Uh, mine would be pass the game. You know what I mean? Um, each one teach one. There's a lot of the next generation. <laughs> and a lot of it gets lost. Right on. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I, I think it also, it depends, right? Like, I feel like we can feel when we pass it down. <clears throat> and, and the benefits it'll make, like, especially, like, young people, I feel like we gotta, we gotta always, like, put, put our money on them, man. Put our money on the youth, you feel me? Um, give them the opportunity. Um, it, gatekeeping, and it, it's not gonna take none away from you as an artist, as a, any, any person. It won't take it away from you. You know what you're doing. You pass it down, let them do what they're gonna do with it. Um, but yeah, that's it. Definitely. Y'all well, make some noise for that free game right there, man. That, that's for the ones who are listening, because you know now they'll be like, what we ain't going to do is you can't tell me what to do. And da -da -da. So sometimes you got to learn how to talk to the youngsters. You got to learn how to approach them on their level, too, is another thing, because I find sometimes I want to give advice, but I have to capture myself because they'll never understand what I, what I, I can never embody in them. Like, they'll never be able, I'll body that, ch that child on the stage. You know what I'm saying? So I just try to give some advice without them having to be uh, attacked. Yeah. It's a way to approach them, too, because it's two different cultures, in most, most likely. Definitely. Respect Sensitive. the legends, though. Respect the legends. We have another uh, question from the audience. Introduce yourself. Hello. I'm Brandi Collins. I'm a freelance journalist. Shout out to my girl, Naz, first. Hi. Proud of you. Hey. hey. <laughs> So um, we are in hip hop's 50th year, which is a long way from God knows where. What do we want to see for the next 50 for women specifically? Because we're talking about like elevating the next generation of women. What do we want to see for those women? Sorry, what would we like that? to see for, oh, I'm sorry. She was saying, what would we like to see in the next 50 years for women specifically in hip hop? My question is, I would like to see some female Jay-Z's, some female Kanye West, some women owning some shoes and shit, getting deals with Adidas, and signing big, buying basketball teams, and stuff like that. So I feel like more Beyonce's definitely um, in hip-hop, because a lot of women are there, but they get stuck having babies or having husbands, and, and the controlling stuff comes in. It would be really good to see women have their own businesses more, and not to say less babies, but girl, wait. Do we, do we have anyone else in the audience that has a question? I got a, I got a personal question since I got the mic, right? Uh, I got a daughter. Um, I've been in the music industry about seven years now, and I've been exposing her to, you know, music videos, going to the studio, meeting a lot of artists. What is, uh, what is probably the worst advice you've probably get, gotten just as a creative in the industry, um, and why didn't it work?
It's a tough question. I, I'm a professional. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Or maybe like the greatest challenge that, you know, that you overcame. Let's say that. So when I first started in the game, I dressed like a girl. Okay. <laughs> My hair was curly, just out there with makeup on, dressed like a girl, rhinestone belt, thinking I'm cute with a little bit of heel to my shoe. And um, I got disrespected in a club. So I realized that that was a time that I was gonna switch my look to big fat laces on some chucks, hoodies. So I, you, you can't tell who I am when I don't want you to tell who I am, you feel me? I just put the hoodie on and walked yeah. through the crowd like. <laughs> who is that in all that black? Yeah, so like, you know, just again, be true to yourself. Respect yourself. You have to respect yourself for others to respect you. Earn is, respect is not given to you. It's earned. Mm. So it was tough because I had a lot of people be disrespectful for a while. Throughout the day, there was little people that was disrespectful. And then they learned I was not that one. So just. Yeah. One thing I noticed about you, you're going to demand your respect regardless. So I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. We're going to pass it off to our moderator. Definitely, definitely. The legends. Could we get a round of applause for the women panel in hip hop? Thanks everyone so much for being here. Shout out to Dregs for having us at History of the Bay Day Party. Let's give it up for Dregs One. Yeah, and let's give it up one more time for our panelists, Dime, CMG, and D-Ray. These women are amazing. Please follow their work. Yeah, and um, to keep up with, with what we're doing at KQED for a hip hop history project, that's my word. You can head to bayareahiphop.com. Super easy to remember. And I just want to shout out, we just dropped a video series called What's Pimpin', where three female rappers, Mad Lines, Ryan Nicole, and Coco Pela, are unpacking pimp culture, misogynoir, and gender dynamics in hip hop. And Dregs is actually one of the guests. So it's, it's dope. There's two episodes out now, so go check it out. Thank you everyone so much. Recognize where you got the game. We got our own style, got our own slang. Northern California is a West Coast thing. This is the history of the bank. Recognize where you got the game. We got our own style, got our own slang. Northern California is a West Coast thing. This is the history of the bank.